The end. <laughs> you want me to check the closet for monsters tonight? No? <laughs> okay. Good night, kiddos. get scared, just remember to close your eyes and tell yourself it's not real. This is Midnight Apocrypha. For tonight's taste of terror, we bring you the other gods. Atop the tallest of Earth's peaks dwell the gods of Earth, and suffer no man to tell that he hath looked upon them. Lesser peaks they once inhabited, but ever the men from the plains would scale the slopes of rock and snow, driving the gods to higher and higher mountains, until now only the last remains. Then they left their older peaks, they took them all signs of themselves. Save once, it is said, when they left a carven image on the face of the mountain, which they called Negronic. But now they have betaken themselves to unknown Kadath, in the cold waste where no man treads, and are grown stern, having no higher peak where to flee at the coming of men. They are grown stern, and where once they suffered men to displace them, they now forbid men to come, or coming, to depart. This is well for men that they know not of Kadath and the cold waste, else they would seek injudiciously to scale it. Sometimes when Earth's gods are homesick, they visit in the still night the peaks where once they dwelt, and weep softly as they try to play in the olden way on remembered slopes. Men have felt the tears of the gods on white cat Thrai, though they have thought it rain and have heard the sighs of the gods in the plaintive dawn winds of Larion. In cloud ships the gods are wont to travel, and wise carters have legends that keep them from certain high peaks at night when it is cloudy, for the gods are not lenient as of old. In Ulthar, which lies beyond the river sky, once dwelt an old man, avid to behold the gods of earth, a man deeply learned in the seven cryptical books of Hassan, and familiar with the Nakodic manuscripts of distant and frozen Lamar. His name was Barzai the Wise, and the villagers tell of how he went up a mountain on the night of the strange eclipse. Barzai knew so much of the gods that he could tell of their comings and goings, and guessed so many of their secrets that he was deemed half a god himself. It was he who wisely advised the burgeresses of Ulthar when they passed their remarkable law against the slaying of cats, and who first told the young priest Atal where it is that black cats go at midnight on St. John's Eve. Barzai was learned in the lore of Earth's gods, 
and had gained a desire to look upon their faces. He believed that this great secret knowledge of God's could shield him from their wrath, so resolved to go up to the summit of high and rocky Hatheg Kla on a night where he knew the gods would be there. Hatheg Kla is far in the stony desert beyond Hatheg, for which it is named, and rises like a rock statue in a silent temple. Around its peak the mists play almost mournfully, for mists are the memories of the gods, and the gods loved Hatheg Kla when they dwelt upon it in the old days. Often the gods of earth visit Hatheg Kla in their ships of cloud, casting pale vapors over the slopes as they dance reminiscently on the summit underneath a clear moon. The villagers of Hatheg say it is ill to climb Hatheg Kla at any time, and deadly to climb it by night, when pale vapors hide the summit and the moon. But Barzai heeded them not when he came from neighboring Ulthar with the young priest Atal, who was his disciple. Atal was only the son of an innkeeper, and was sometimes afraid. But Barzai's father had been a landgrave who dwelt in an ancient castle, so he had no common superstition in his blood, and only laughed at the fearful cotters. Barzai and Atal went out of Hatheg into the stony desert despite the prayers of peasants, and talked of Earth's gods by their campfires at night. Many days they traveled, and from afar saw lofty Hatheg Kla with his aureole of mournful mist. On the thirteenth day, they reached the mountain's lonely base, and Atal spoke of his fears. But Barzai was old and learned and had no such fears, so led the way boldly up the slope that no man had scaled since the time of Sansu, who is written of with fright in the moldy Nakodic manuscripts. The way was rocky and made of perilous chasms, cliffs, and falling stones. Later it grew cold and snowy, and Barzai and Atal often slipped and fell as they hewed and plodded upward with stabs and axes. Finally the air grew thin, and the sky changed color, and the climbers found it hard to breathe. But still they toiled up and up and up, marveling at the strangeness of the scene, and thrilling at the thought of what could happen on the summit when the moon was out and the pale vapors spread about. For three days they climbed higher, higher, and higher towards the roof of the world, then they camped to wait for the clouding of the moon. For four nights, no clouds came, and the moon shone down cold through the thin, mournful mists around the silent pinnacle. Then, on the fifth night, which was the night of the full moon, Barzai saw some dense clouds far to the north, and stayed up with a towel to watch them draw near. Thick and majestic they sailed, slowly and deliberately onward, ranging themselves round the peak high above the watchers, and hiding the moon and the summit from view. For a long hour the watchers gazed, whilst the vapor swirled and the screen of clouds grew thicker and more restless. Barzai was wise in the lore of Earth's gods, and listened hard for certain sounds. 
But Atal felt the chill of the vapors and the awe of the night and feared much. And when Barzai began to climb higher and beckon eagerly, it was long before Atal would follow. So thick were the vapors that the way was hard, and though Atal followed on at last, he could scarce see the gray shape of Barzai on the dim slope above in the clouded moonlight. Barzai forged very far ahead and seemed, despite his age, to climb more easily than Atal, fearing not the steepness that began to grow too great for any save a strong and dauntless man nor pausing at wide black chasms that a tall scarce could leap. And so they went up wildly over rocks and gulfs, slipping and stumbling, and sometimes awed at the vastness and horrible silence of bleak ice pinnacles and mute granite steeps. Very suddenly, Barzai went out of Atal's sight, scaling a hideous cliff that seemed to bulge onward and block the path for any climber not inspired of Earth's gods. Atal was far below, and planning what he should do when he reached the place, when, curiously, he noticed that the light had grown strong, as if the cloudless peak and moonlit meeting place of the gods were very, very near. And as he scrambled on towards the bulging cliff and lit in sky, he felt fears more shocking than any he had known before. Then through the high mists, he heard the voice of unseen Barzai shouting, I have heard the gods. I have heard Earth's gods singing revelry on Hathikla. The voices of Earth's gods are known to Barzai the Prophet. The mists are thin and the moon is bright. And I shall see the gods dancing wildly on Hathic Cloud, the loved in youth. The wisdom of Barzai hath made him greater than Earth's gods. Against his will, their spells and barriers are not. Barzai will be to the gods. The proud gods. The secret gods. The gods of earth who spurn sight. Atal could not hear the voices Barzai heard, but he was now close to the bulging cliff and scanning it for footholds. Then he heard Barzai's voice grow louder. The mists are very thin, and the moon cast shadows on the slope. The voices of Earth's gods are high and wild, and they fear the coming of Barzai Oars, who is greater than they. The moon's light flickers as Earth's gods dance against it. I shall see the dancing forms of the gods that deepen down in the moonlight. The light is dimmer, and the gods are afraid. Whilst Marsai was shouting these things, Atal felt a spectral charge in the air as if the laws of Earth were bowing to greater laws. For though the way was steeper than ever, 
The upward path was now grown fearsomely easy, and the bulging cliff proved scarce an obstacle when he reached it and slid perilously up its convex face. The light of the moon had strangely failed, and as Atal plunged upward through the mists, he heard Barzai the wise- The moon is dark and the gods dance in the night. There is a terror in the sky, for upon the moon had eclipse, foretold in no books of men or earth's gods. There is unknown magic on Hathic Claw, for the screams of the frightened gods have turned to laughter, and the slopes of Aishita bends me into the black heavens whither I am plunging. Ye at last, in the dim light, all the gods of Earth. And now Atal slipping dizzily up over inconceivable steeps, heard in the dark a loathsome laughing, mixed with such a cry as no man else ever heard, save in the phlegathon of unrelatable nightmares. A cry wherein reverberated the horror and anguish of a haunted lifetime packed into one atrocious moment. <laughs> the other gods, the other gods, the gods of the outer hells that guard the feeble gods of earth, they go back, do not see, do not see the vengeance of the infinite abysses that cursed, that turned of the pits of mercy. I'm falling into the sky! shut his eyes and stopped his ears and tried to jump downward against the frightful pull from unknown heights. There resounded on Hythingkla that terrible play of thunder which awakened the good cutters of the plains and the honest burgeresses of Hything and Nir and Ulthar and caused them to behold through the clouds that strange eclipse of the moon that no book ever predicted. And when the moon came out at last, Atal was safe on the lower snows of the mountain without sight of Earth's gods. Or of the other gods. Now it is told in the moldy, narcotic manuscripts that Sensu found not but wordless ice and rock when he climbed Hathic Claw in the youth of the world. Yet when the men of Ulthar and Nir and Hathig crushed their fears and scaled that haunted steep by day in search of Barzai the Wise, they found graven in the naked stone of the summit a curious and cyclopean symbol, fifty cubits wide, as if the rock had been riven by some titanic chisel, and the symbol was like to one that learned men had discerned in those frightful parts of the narcotic manuscripts, which are too ancient to be read. This they found. Barzai the wise, they never found. Nor could the holy priest Atal ever be persuaded to pray for his soul's repose. Moreover, to this day, the people of Ulthar and Nir and Hathek fear eclipses, 
and pray by night when pale vapors hide the mountain top and the moon. And above the mists on Hathek Kla, Earth's gods sometimes dance reminiscently, for they know they are safe and love to come from unknown Kadath in ships of cloud and play in the olden way, as they did when earth was new and men not given to the climbing of inaccessible places. The Other Gods was written by Howard Phillips Lovecraft in 1921. This radio adaptation of The Other Gods has been directed by Kirk Reichardt, featuring the voice talents of Jared Zimmerman as the narrator and Jared Bernadowitz as Barzai the Wise. Additional voice work was provided by Rebecca Gomez-Rueda and Andrew Lichtenwalner. Midnight Apocrypha is brought to you by Widener University's Lone Brick Theatre Company in partnership with Forgotten Lore Theatre. If you enjoyed our little fiction, you can find out more about Lone Brick Theatre Company on Facebook and Instagram. And go now to subscribe, like, or follow Midnight Apocrypha. Or you never know what may find you.